Truth Espresso, episode 232. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello there, this is Daniel Minnick, your host for Truth Espresso, and I have with me my sweet, beautiful wife and co-host with me to all <laughs> the family, friends, foes, and lurkers alike out there who are checking us out. And we are going to talk about, on this day, as you're listening to it, it's released Monday. So if you're listening to it on release day, it's the day after Resurrection Day. But we are recording on Saturday, so we look ahead to Resurrection Day. And we're going to talk about the hope and resurrection of the dead. And so thank you for doing this with me, sweetheart. Yeah, and thank you for inviting me to participate in this. Yes, and so we if you've been listening to the last three episodes of Truth Espresso, you've seen that we've kind of just gone through a little bit of a battle in our state of Colorado over what will soon be laws regarding abortion. And so it's nice after that long drawn out battle to be able to focus on the truth and hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives everything meaning, all our hope. There's a reason to hope that if in this life we have hope, we are of all men most miserable, as the Apostle Paul says. But without the resurrection, yeah, why not be pro-abortion? Without the resurrection, why not just support all of the clown world stuff that's going on today? But it's precisely because of the resurrection of the dead that we stand here as Christians who are willing to battle and face all the slings and arrows of the world and to support the truth of the word of God against all attacks. Yes, I concur with you that this is kind of a breath of fresh air, just entering into the Easter week and looking forward to Resurrection Sunday and just reminding ourselves, our family, and other Christians that we do have that hope in Christ because it seems there's so much evil, so much darkness, so much that we're battling on a daily basis that sometimes it's hard to remember that there is hope, there is victory, and Yes. So hopefully this podcast will be an encouragement to our listeners this time. We have the hope that we're bringing to you in this podcast versus our last ones that were <laughs> kind of discouraging. And I look forward to talking more about what kind of hope we have in the resurrection. And Yes, and the battle for the hope for the resurrection didn't start yesterday. <laughs> it didn't start in the state of Colorado. It didn't start this century. It started as soon as Jesus rose from the dead, as people tried to lie about what really happened there. And the apostles, after Jesus' resurrection, had to deal with the attacks on the hope of the resurrection. And if we look in 
the Bible, we look in the book of Acts, chapter 23. Paul is standing before council of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And in verse 6, it says, But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. So Paul's indicating that really the whole reason he's being put on trial, the whole reason he has accusations against him is because of his hope in the resurrection of the dead and preaching that. And so even though there were Pharisees there and Paul called himself a Pharisee, that's what he was, and he still had some of those beliefs compared to the Sadducees, he was preaching the resurrection of the dead. And that's why he's brought before the trial there. And even as Jesus told his disciples, they will bring you before courts. You will be hauled into court for my name's sake. I think it's interesting in that passage how you would think brethren or, you know, people of the same bringing up as Paul that they would have more compassion or see things differently be more graceful to Paul or something. But it's just like a reminder of, I mean, what we see today that so many times you think, oh, well, that person is going to stand up for me or stand up with me. And then when it comes down to absolute truth, then those people tend to turn on you. And it's kind of this thing like, okay, we can't have our hope in people around us because brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, friends, churches, if they don't have their hope and they're not grounded in the gospel, then they can easily turn away and turn against you. And to me, that's like one of the harder battles that we can deal with as Christians is because you kind of have that expectation that your friends or family or other Christians would always kind of be on your side. And that's not always the case. Definitely. <laughs> Weeding out the men from the the boys from the mice or however the expression goes. And, <laughs> and some people who are just not willing to stand when... Push comes to shove or, you know, what does the truth really mean? The truth compels you to stand for it because of what it's all about. And if you're not going to stand for the truth, then sometimes you have to ask the question, do you really believe the truth? And I think that's what we see in the Bible and Jesus' admonition. You know, you're going to suffer for my name's sake. And there's a reason for that. And we see that in Acts 24, the next chapter, we see the Apostle Paul in a similar situation as he stands trial before the governor Felix. And he almost, humanly speaking there, there was a plot against his life, even in the process where, okay, that shows that even the justice system back then, people would try to play dirty, you know, trying to harm people or destroy people even when the justice system is going on and so you know he had to be protected and rescued just to stand trial before Felix and Paul makes mention of the same point there in Acts chapter 24 verses 20 through 21 Paul's talking about how he's the lonely voice basically making this point. He says, Or else let these same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice 
that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead I am calling in question by you this day. Yes, Paul went through several trials, and all of them can be boiled down to the fact that he was preaching the person and work of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And when you think about it, that is the ultimate statement of truth, and it changes everything. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, it vindicates who he said he was. It vindicates what he taught, that he is an authority on truth and morality. It vindicates what he says in John fourteen six that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So, if Jesus rose from the dead, that is everything. And therefore, anyone who does not want to acknowledge that Jesus is the king, has the authority over them, is going to fight the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today we find ourselves standing in the court of public opinion, the court before the world and their false accusations against us as Christians. Sometimes we can just think of how, well, the message of the resurrection of Jesus should be a hope that anyone would want to have. But we realize how much it condemns the lives that people want to live because they realize, well, if that's true, then I can't just do what I want. I want to live a certain way that does not acknowledge a resurrection of the dead. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, as the Apostle Paul says. We have the ultimate hope, the ultimate that we will gain everything. We will rule the entire world, the universe, as joint heirs with Christ. How can anyone want anything less than that? But the reason for that is, well, that means I have to think things differently, and I don't want that. There is some sort of news thing we were listening to or watching this last week. Maybe you'll remember that it just opened my eyes a little bit more about how there's such an attack on Christians. Because before I heard that news program, it was kind of like, oh, you know, people just don't agree with the right side or the conservatives or, you know, they'd have all these different labels and it was just kind of more broad of a group that they would say they don't agree with. But then in this particular interview, it was like they were against anyone who were Christians. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, oh, wow. It just gives you that reality check of, but that is what it's always been. They're anti-Christ. Like you said, they don't like the truth because the truth exposes the darkness. It exposes their sin. And if they don't want that realization in their life and they have to deal with it, then they just want to try and ignore it. And unfortunately, they can only ignore it for so long because one day, the Bible says one day everyone will stand before God and give an account. And we just have to keep praying that we have those opportunities that people will still have soft hearts and be open to hearing the gospel message and that we will be bold and courageous to share that good news with them because otherwise those people are without hope. And that's kind of what we're trying to um, encourage our listeners with today is that there is like that hope and that relationship we have with Christ. Yes, well said, sweetheart. Yeah, because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is part of the gospel. It's part of the gospel message. 
And that's the reason that the world wants to challenge our hope in the resurrection. As I said, it's to deny the authority and power of Jesus, who bore our sins, conquered death, and rose from the dead. And so, yes, the resurrection vindicates the purpose of his death. He wasn't just a martyr for some kind of social cause. The fact that he alone rose from the dead, as he said he would raise himself from the dead, that shows that his death was unjust, but it it was just on God's part, but it was unjust on man's part, and therefore he was actually the only one who could be a substitute and therefore pay the penalty for the sins even of people who put him to death. And yes, the world does not like that. So why does the world hate the hope of the resurrection? We see that indicated in the word of God. So yes, it's not something that's just came up recently. It's been all throughout the history of the church. So in Paul's, um, basically his doctrinal manifesto, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 We see verses 32 through 34 as he explains kind of why people would not like this message. He says, If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Boy, do we see that today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Paul's admonition, verse 34, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. So contrasting with the world's philosophy as Paul reflects it, like, why am I going through these battles fighting things that could cost me my life? What advantage is it to me to engage in these battles that otherwise, you know, according to the world's thinking, that's unnecessary strife, unnecessary danger. But what advantage is it? If the dead rise not, you know, so if Jesus didn't rise and therefore him being the first fruits of our resurrection, if we didn't have the hope of the resurrection given to us by Jesus, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And that's the philosophy of the world to give us no hope. And that the only hope to be found is the hope of trying to pacify all pain and suffering, which itself is meaningless in this world. Try to figure out how can I have the most passively (laughs) absent life just trying to seek fulfillment of immediate pleasures until finally I croak and that's it. I return to dust and there's nothing more of me. Doesn't that make you so sad for people that live like that and think that that has to be miserable, Mm -hmm. not having that hope? And it just reminded me when we were in the NICU with our one son. I know we had talked about his story in a different podcast, but when we were in the NICU and just trying to see, you know, was he going to make it or not? And we saw other parents there with their babies and you could tell like some of those parents did not have that hope and they really struggled with watching their little ones fight for their life. And I think that was a time where I just remember you and I would talk a lot about like, 
we're just so thankful that we have hope in Christ and mm-hmm. we know that no matter what happens, no matter what the outcome is, that we have that just security. And I think that's what hope gives Christians is a, a sense of security that it's not just I'm kind of jumping ahead here in our notes, but like biblical hope is so different <laughs> than the hope we see just common day people use. Like, oh, I hope tomorrow's nice and sunny or I hope I pass this exam. Like we use it so nonchalantly <laughs> and it's more like a wish or yeah. a desire. <laughs> or even a desperation. <laughs> yes. But the biblical hope is so much deeper <laughs> than that. And it's not this fleeting yes like flip-flop type of thing it's something that's like absolute yes it's a confidence yes <laughs> it's like given this i have confidence in this i just have to be patient and wait for it yeah and it's a promise yes. and it's a promise not that comes from the world or you know natural cause and effect promise it's a promise from god that he is going to give us eternal life through his son jesus christ and that confidence of hope that's in a christian is something that doesn't change with the circumstances it can be hard (laughs) it can be challenging to see sometimes but it's something that's always there it's so concrete that I think that's the part that makes me feel sad for when we see other people that don't have that hope because they don't have that peace or that security in knowing that they do have a hope in a future. And the hope of the resurrection, it's the divine stamp of approval vindicating the purpose and value of life itself. Because not only is it just saying that the life we live in this imperfect fallen world is that that alone is life, but it's just, hey, you know, you can be raised again to life in an immortal body to live even fuller and perfectly with Jesus Christ who gives that life. The norm is not just death when you talked about people who we don't have this hope all they have if they're just atheists is to think that life itself is an accident the fact that we as humans happen to have a rational mind and consciousness is almost a cruel sick joke of nature you know like all of the fact that life actually arose is some kind of accident of an explosion and things just happening to be the right amount of space from a heat source and so life just came by accident and time and then consciousness why oh, what a sick joke to make people have to suffer by being conscious even though we don't fully understand consciousness but yeah there's meaning and purpose to life and consciousness and then there's also the hope that yeah we can actually have life more abundantly we have hope even in this fallen world and that hope is also to the resurrection where we can have a life fuller without sin without pain and that's the fullness of reality are you living an abundant life Jesus came to give us eternal life, yes, but also an abundant life here and now, overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit. The Abundant Life Podcast encourages and challenges Christians to spiritual change and growth by applying biblical principles to everyday life. Podcast hosts Sasso Mendez and Ben Ariano discuss various topics that are helpful for Christians and true to the Scripture— 
and bring a generous dose of humor. Visit AbundantLife.fm and subscribe to get notified of each new episode. That's AbundantLife.fm. So what is our encouragement from the resurrection? I think I said it, but let's look at Scripture. Looking at the Apostle Paul, who was a master, obviously, on teaching the resurrection of Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15, as we looked at some verses earlier about the philosophy of the world. But now at the end of it, the Apostle Paul talks about our hope and how this gives us encouragement in persecutions. He says in verse 57, and 58. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. (laughs) So, why not eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Why does he fight with beasts at Ephesus? Well, now because we have this hope, there's reason to be always abounding in the work of the Lord because we know that it's not in vain. So I was thinking this is a little bit different take on hope, but I was reading a couple different articles that mentioned this and I thought it was a neat perspective. And also looking at First Corinthians, but a little bit earlier in the book of what does love look like? The First Corinthians 13 verses 12 through 13, it says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Those verses are so great because it does seem like that sometimes where you have that hope, but you feel like you're looking through the thick fog to see that hope. Hmm. And it's like this verse is saying we see, Hmm. but it's kind of hard to see that hope. But then we know after the resurrection of our bodies and when we are with Christ for eternity, that that fog will be lifted. Like we will see clearly. And I think that's just like you mentioned, that kind of deeper level of understanding or knowing. And these last verses, how they put faith, hope, and love together. I think it's interesting because faith and love are things that you kind of see or do every day faith that you increase in your knowledge and your understanding of who God is and what Christ has done for you. And it requires growth. Like you grow in your faith and then love is something that you grow into and your understanding of God's love for you, your love for God and love in your family and your children and so forth. It's something that you experience every day. But then hope is something that is forward looking you don't see it right now. And so sometimes it feels like a very abstract thing, (laughs) but it's something that gives you so much peace at the same time. And I like that hope requires you to be patient, but during that time of waiting, God gives you that overwhelming peace. And I think that's kind of where Philippians 4 verse 8, I believe. I just love that verse where God's peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart. So it's like a peace that doesn't make sense, but it's a peace that comes with the hope of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and the power of his resurrection. There's so much power in 
what Christ did coming forth, bursting forth from the tomb, conquering death. Like no one else in history has ever done that. All these other religions, all the other, even recently we saw this memorial that they made for George Floyd and trying to remember like his death and what it means. Like there's so much promo or propaganda and <laughs> like pomp and circumstance is what I'm trying to think of. Like when Jesus died, there was no pomp and circumstance. It was like kind of quiet. Let's put him in the tomb. We're going to make sure there's soldiers there. We're going to seal it. Mm. It's like not very, it wasn't like this big celebration, this big deal type of thing. Like we see with other religions or other people that try and claim like this is a person we should celebrate and look up to. And you see Jesus, like his death, his resurrection He's the only one that has resurrected is like the most powerful one. Mm-hmm. And even though it was quiet and it was a sad day, it meant so much. And then his power over death and just raising himself is what gives us life. It's what gives us hope. And yeah, no other religion can claim that. Yeah, on Friday, as I was looking at Facebook, scrolling through the feed, you know, I'm not a doom scroller. I don't scroll for hours. I'll check for like a few minutes periodically, but I was scrolling and I find some Christian friends that would show like a meme or a message with a background and stuff. And I saw several of them that would point out laying out the scene of Good Friday. He was put to death. He's put in the tomb, you know, describing the events. The disciples are scattered. Jesus' mother is crying, you know, like kind of letting you know the utter despair. And then it says things are silent. It's this eerie silence of despair. It's all quiet, but it's people quieted and confused and not sure what to do. So then it's kind of preparing you for like, and then Sunday, you know, and when he raised from the dead, imagine, because we will celebrate Good Friday and we'll be joyous thinking about the atonement, but really thinking about last year when we had our series on Easter, just the details of that, just thinking about the confusion, the disciples scattered the <laughs> just like what's going on our master who we followed for three and a half years who we saw these miracles and his teachings that were so confoundingly profound and yet okay now he's put to death we see him suffer he's buried they blocked him with a stone just like what do i do i don't understand but that also makes resurrection day that much more powerful to show Yes, he's risen as he said, you know, and you weren't paying attention enough to think about that because we think in the flesh. And you mentioned faith and hope and patience. And I, I saw looking at Romans chapter 15. So Romans fifteen five, the apostle Paul refers to the God of patience and consolation. And then in verse 13, he refers to the God of hope. Don't you just love... I'm sure like you said too now that we can look back at the crucifixion and the burial and resurrection I'm sure it's different but I think one of my favorite parts in that people kind of don't really think about or celebrate is Saturday (laughs) the day in between Good Friday (laughs) and when he rose from the grave because Christ was busy yeah he was making the bond free Mm. 
and conquering death. Like he's battling. He got the is that the keys from Hades. Yeah, as Jesus says in Revelation 1, I, have, I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore and have the keys of death and Hades, yes. So I just think that it's neat to see like, okay, even though it would be a day, of course, when you were there, a day of mourning and sadness because you don't know what's happening. And like you said, babe, like that confusion and stuff. But when you think about it now that we're able to look back, but thinking like Jesus wasn't just laying back like, oh yeah, I like this dead thing and then I'll come back to life tomorrow. Like he's busy working to make that way for us. It isn't a sad or place of loss for Jesus. He's like going to battle at that point with death. And I I don't know, I just think that Saturday's kind of that in-between mode that we forget about. But like, wow, thank you that Jesus went to battle against death and that he rose victoriously. And as he said to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. So the thief was with him that evening, Friday evening. Saturday, I don't know if Jesus had to tell him, okay, excuse me for a moment while I, you know, do a mission here and whatever, preach to the spirits in prison, how, you know, however he understand that and stuff. But yeah, <laughs> however that worked out, you know, <laughs> okay. the mysteries of Saturday. <laughs> Just to say that Jesus was not sipping a lemonade on the beach or something there. Saturday, he was busy. <laughs> and the last little part that I liked of First Corinthians, kind of the earlier part of 15 that you were talking about, was just how it describes that our hope comes from believing the gospel and that the resurrection is central to the gospel. And that's what it says. Like, if there was no resurrection, then we wouldn't have any hope. We wouldn't have the gospel. The gospel would be in vain, like you said. I think the resurrection also helps us to understand our hope in Christ. And then it motivates us because it reminds us of what Christ did and that he did have victory over death. And so 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen through 20, it says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are not in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Hmm. So it is not just all about our day to day things that happen here on earth, like the here and now. It's something eternal, and it's because of what Christ did. Definitely good verses there, sweetheart, and good thoughts on that. And yes, 1 Corinthians fifteen seven: If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. And the world that wants to oppose this resurrection, they are still yet in their sins. And they want to stay that way. That's why they oppose the resurrection. And we say, you don't have to stay dead in your sins. You believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You can be saved from your sins and you can be raised to new life here now and be raised bodily glorified with Christ. And so I would like to close with another passage, the words of Jesus Christ himself. 
And Jesus is going to demonstrate who has the power to raise the dead. And in John eleven twenty five through 26, it says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And so, yes, that's what we're proclaiming to our listeners and to anyone who's not a Christian who may be listening to this, the hope of the resurrection. Yes, it is a call to abandon your ideas of sin and your life and embrace the meaning of who Jesus is, who he is, what he has done on the cross in paying for sins and for his resurrection because he has the power over sin and death. And therefore, he offers life. And so, yes, forsake your sins and embrace the one who paid for them and rose from the dead. Believest thou this? Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey, friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.